Doug was nice enough to acknowledge that a lot of the people that was going to be up here this morning, especially a couple of students, were probably going to be kind of tired. So he took that on himself this morning. And I was blessed because of it. Thanks, Doug. If you are a Bible note taker, this is for you, Meredith. We're going to be in Romans 5, verse 1 through 5 today. But I'm going to talk for a minute, as usual, before we get there. So, uh, yeah, this has been a busy week uh, for a lot of people in this room. And I know some of y'all are um, probably feeling the effects of that this morning a little bit. I am. So, Car- or Ch- Chase, are you nodding your head? You weren't helping with no float. You had your own struggles, though, I'm sure. <laughs> Chase has still had a long week, though, regardless of the float. I'm here for you, Chase. I understand. <laughs> um, but with this float construction, I was thinking on it all week. Um, well, not really all week. We had a county fair going on, um, so it applied to quite a few kids. Uh, if you're an elementary school teacher, you probably brought some kids out on Thursday to our petting zoo. We had a sporting clays thing Wednesday. I waited a little too long on ordering our meat because I had some orders that were coming in, our blue and gold stuff that several of y'all ordered in this room. Thanks for that. Um, and it came in Monday and Tuesday of this week, which was unplanned. I wanted it the week before that. So added that on top. It's just there was too much stuff going on to try to keep up with it. But on the float deal, um, as I said last week, I'm a senior sponsor, and I didn't help out as much as I typically would have just for other reasons. But um, Tuesday night, I went out there, and Bubba was there, and there was like four or five kids sitting around in a circle in chairs. They were playing on their phones. Um, nothing was getting down on the float. They had a skirt on it already, but they were waiting for someone to come paint it. And I was like, what is the goal here? What is there any plan? And they're like, well, we're waiting on some people to get here to kind of tell us what the plan is. It was a process. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, um, most uh, students, I'm not going to say most in the senior class, but a lot of a lot of the students were working on construction of floats for the homecoming. And you got the school spirit going on. And I thought about how that kind of parallels with our Christian walk. And I don't want to talk about floats all morning because everybody's probably sick of hearing about floats. But a lot of the kids, especially as a freshman, you guys are pumped. And y'all had an awesome float. And sophomores did. And I mean, every float was great. It all They all ended up um, being something. So that was an accomplishment, especially for us. Um, but Saturday, everyone's trying to figure out what the goal is. Some already had a plan. They were just starting. They were excited about get, executing and getting it done. If you were like us, we were still figuring it out as we went. And it changed throughout the week because it was a lot of trial and error on what was going to fit, what wasn't, what could move, what couldn't. Could it move? That kind of thing. So a lot of emotions were probably felt during this week, not only with the float construction, but if you were in the homecoming, um, figuring out what to wear, what not to wear, where to be, um, pep rally and game and parade and all that good stuff. So when life gets busy, even though homecoming is a fun week and it's and it's intended for that, it's still a, a busy thing. Um, we kind of go through all the different emotions. We're excited. We're happy. Um, we're sad. We're you know, we feel alone, even though all these people are around, especially if you're the one with the plan and no one's listening to you. Um, <laughs> or maybe you feel alone because you just don't have a plan at all and you're just there. Um, but yeah, excitement, anxiety, frustration, anger, desperation, hope, insecurity, relief when it's all done. Um, but regardless, the process, there's an end goal. No matter what challenges you face along the way, the float has to be done Wednesday night. It's going to be, even though we had a few parents message saying, is there any way we can sneak in there Thursday? Um, y'all didn't hear that. Um, we're trying to get the goal accomplished, whatever means necessary, whatever that looks like. And it's not always going to look like the way we thought it would. 
And that's how our walk is. We go through ups and downs. It's kind of a roller coaster. And if we don't have sight or a hope for what God has in store for us as the end goal, we can get really lost in the busyness and the emotions that we go through. So that's really what I want to talk about today, just how sufferings um, can come during t- times that are most joyful. Um, this week is a celebration of Atoka, a celebration of alumni coming back and seeing it and knowing what the roots were and the ones that were here really pouring into the pride that comes with you know having a school and having a place to be and having organizations to be involved in and celebrating that. And even though it's a joyful event, life still happens. And the business still happens. And we're not always happy even though we're celebrating a joyful thing. So if you don't know me very well, um, I have a Facebook. I don't post a ton of stuff on there. Mary the tags me in a lot of stuff. Um, but I scroll on it a lot. Even like, it's just a habit. I don't know how to break it. I've tried. But I'll even like sit at the house at night and just, I've already seen these posts, but it's just like a, I don't know what happens to people. I'm, I'm stuck in it. But I'll scroll through stuff and read it, and it doesn't really do much for me other than just a thing to do. I don't understand why wrapped into that. Meredith, don't shake your head. You do it too. (laughs) But sometimes I'll scroll through there and I'll see something and it encourages me. Sometimes I'll see something and it depresses me. Um, But I think every emotion is felt through my little Facebook world too. I found something the other day though that did encourage me and it was a quote that someone shared and it really got me thinking about this process thing. This isn't a verse, but um, I'm going to kind of dive into even on a deeper scale, what that looks like for us. But the, uh, the quote, which is an internet quote, I have no idea. Even if it was cited, probably inaccurate. Um, I don't even know if this was a quote. It might have been some, I don't know. But it says, what if God wants to do what you're asking through a process instead of a moment? I'll read one more time so you can hear that. What if God wants to do what you're asking through a process instead of a moment? Um. If you never experienced suffering, I'm sorry, um, because that is a very important part of life. And I know that even if you say, no, I haven't, you have. And uh, everyone's experienced a little bit different um, probably avenues of that or different intensities of that. But everyone in this room has experienced suffering um, to some extent. And we, we question God when we suffer or when life gets overwhelming. We get, you know, we get anxious about things. We feel like our world's falling apart and we feel all this pressure on us to get things done, to get things accomplished. And, and we suffer through that. And we suffer through loss. And we su- suffer through, you know, trials or mistakes. There's numerous things that we suffer through. And we say, if God really loves us, I've heard this thousands of times, I probably said it, said it myself, if uh, God really loves us, why would he have us suffer? Why would he have us go through suffering? If we're his people, why, why do we have to do that? And as we think through the process of it, and I really, I'm going to get to Romans 5 in a minute, but as we think through the process of that, um, suffering is usually, I'm not going to say it's always self-inflicted, but usually it's self-inflicted or environmentally inflicted. God um, never really directly, even like with Job, he let Satan do his thing. God never inflicts that suffering on us, but he allows us to go through things. And he sits back and, and watches us go through things. And we don't really realize how there he is in that, just because all we can see is the moment and the suffering. Um, and we pray for God to take it away. But through the process of that suffering, God's goal is met if we look at him, if we, if we cling to him. Mark's really hammered on the Romans 12 thing about clinging to what's good, um, you know, hating what's evil, clinging to what's good. And that goes right hand in hand with what we're doing. So, um, like I said, if you've never <coughs> experienced suffering, I'm sorry. And how can we truly appreciate the easy 
and relaxing moments of life if we don't know what suffering is. So if you look at this uh, awesome Rebel Paw Patrol Band-Aid I got here on my finger, it's covering up a pretty deep cut, and it happened in a moment. <laughs> I was, it's one of those dumb things you do. I was checking her mail two days ago, right? Yeah, two days ago. And just walking around there, I built a pipe fence in front of her house, and I haven't painted it yet. I haven't really gone through all the welds and chipped all the slag off to paint it. I just kind of we put it up real quick. I still got some more work I want to do on it, but I just hadn't had time yet. So I'm walking around it to our mailbox, and I see some loose slag that's kind of curling up. If you are a welder, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, the flux kind of makes a, you know, a covering on your weld, and that peels up, or you can chip it off with a hammer. So there's a part that's chipping up, and I thought, I'll just peel that off. So I'm walking by, and I just kind of chip at it, and it slices. I feel it. Uh, it's deep. And I look down, and blood's already just pouring out of it. And Meredith, you know, looking at me like, what's, check the mail. So I open the mailbox. There's, there's nothing in there. Yeah, Meredith's getting groceries in the house. She wasn't just standing there slave driving me. <laughs> I don't think. But anyway, I open the mailbox. Nothing's in the mailbox. It's a waste of my time to even walk out there. And now, because of my, you know, stupid mistake, I'm bleeding all over the place. So I run, or not run, I just kind of walk and holding it. I'm dripping everywhere. She gets a bunch of napkins out of the car because we keep napkins in her car because we have two three-year-olds. And we wrap it. Actually, like we just bought a whole new package of napkins because we have three-year-olds. And um, so I wrap it up and I go in the house and I'm washing it out, standing there at the faucet. And I kind of open, I can see something black in there and it's a piece of that slag. And I open it to let the water come through and it, uh, it's hurting so bad. Like it's so it's a little cut on my finger, but I feel like I could die. And I'm letting the water run through there. It's not stopping. The blood's not stopping. So then I squeeze it closed, and then I open it back up, and I, I see it run out of there, the thing I wanted out, because I knew it was going to get infected if lifted in there. So then I squeeze it shut, and I wrapped it up real tight, and I've changed it out a few times. And this morning, I asked Meredith for another Band-Aid, and I got this Rubble. I know who Rubble is. If you guys don't know Rubble, it's a good show. And he's helping me out today. But something that small... Um, hurts so bad, and we're like, why? Why is there pain in this world? And we know we can go back to Genesis, and we see the fall of man and, and the sin that's come in this world because of that and everything, but it still doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make the suffering any easier. And there's a lot worse suffering than cutting your finger on a piece of slag. I'm not trying to say that's the worst thing ever. But the, even those little bitty things, um, I mean, really just it takes everything we have to focus on that at that moment. Um, everything else stops. The mail was not important anymore. The groceries in the car was not important anymore. It was all about getting this leaking to stop because I'm making a big mess, and I don't know if I like cut some major thing. I don't think you have anything major in your finger, but I'm like <laughs> leaking everywhere, trying to get it to stop. And through my, you know, <laughs> persistence and calm, cool collectiveness, I survived, and everything's good. But I want to say that quote one more time. Uh, what if God wants to do what you're asking through a process instead of through a moment? And we don't understand that when we're going through the process a lot of times. Um, so when I think about processes, I think about, you know, just any process. And the one that comes to my mind the most is because I love food is cooking. And some of my favorite memories as a kid growing up is you know, holiday weekends Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, there's just food everywhere. But as a kid, it just like magically appears, right? Like all these pies and all this good food just shows up sitting on the countertop. You go in there and help yourself. Um, but as you get older, you realize all the work that can go into that. And my grandma, my nana, uh, the lady I've told you all a lot of stories about, 
um, passed away four years ago. She loved to cook. Um, she didn't have very many jobs growing up uh, or as in her adult life. She stayed home with the kids a lot. But one of the few jobs she had was being a cook at elementary school, and she loved it. And it was a small school, and back then, I mean, I'm sure she put every ounce of butter and everything great that she could in that, and those kids were didn't realize how good they had it. But I remember specifically her dressing. And Meredith and I still debate about this dressing. I know we're still away from Thanksgiving, but dressing's good no matter what. A little trivia for you, dressing, stuffing, you know what the difference is? Dressing's cooked by itself, stuffing's in a turkey. We don't do stuffing. We do dressing. It's a whole, it's a meal by itself. It's in a pan. That's what dressing is. So my family was, was dressing people. We didn't stuff it in no bird. We ate the bird separate. Dressing could stand alone. I could just make a meal out of just that. So Meredith and I still debate on whose dressing's better. My mom's or her mom's. We both think that our mom's has the best one. Mine does. <laughs> but my mom uses my grandma's recipe, and I remember as a kid watching her go through this process. I stayed at her house a lot during the daytime. While my parents were working, I'd be down there, and she'd be preparing this stuff. And I'd be like, oh, she's making cornbread. You know, and I love cornbread. So she's got cornbread in the oven. She's making these pans. Then she gets it out. Then she crumbles it all up in a bowl. And I'm like, what is she doing? Why is she crumbling this cornbread? Cornbread's good. Why is she messing it up? Then she adds all this other stuff and puts it in a pan, puts it back in the oven. And then I start realizing, okay, there's something better than cornbread coming. I can smell it. And it was a long process. And she would spend, you know, hours um, of, her daytime, of her day. A lot of times she'd make cornbread on one day, and then she'd make the dressing the next day. And it was this long process. And we'd sit down, and within 30 minutes, everything she made is, you know, gone. Or at least at the end of the day it was because we grazed on it all day. But it wasn't, it didn't just happen. As a kid, I was very naive in thinking this stuff just showed up. All the pies that were made, all the, you know, the turkeys and the hams and all that stuff, it didn't just show up. There was a long process, and there was a story behind all of it. And I don't remember, I remember a few times, um, very, never at my Nana's, never at my mom's, but just a few times eating, like, boxed dressing or box stuffing and I'm like what I'm sorry if that's what you do um but I'm like what is this you know like it's the process of it is not the same it's already mixed up you just mix some stuff with it pop it in the oven and I'm sure there's ways you can make it taste better but it's not the same because the process is not the same it doesn't have all the love and hard work put into that and you see the reward of it because of the process I'm sure my grandma didn't you know she had a few burns from pulling the old cast iron skillet out um, it wasn't always pleasant mixing that stuff up. As she got older, actually, we asked her to stop making it. And the reason that we asked her to stop, because she was the best one ever. Like, even my aunt comes close to making a similar recipe, but it's still not Nana's dressing, even though they're following the same instructions. She didn't, like, she just kind of wrote out what she did, but she'd throw some extra stuff here and there and kind of make it her own. And it was awesome every time. But as she got older, she wasn't strong enough to mix it anymore. And I remember one of the last times she made it, um, I got a big bite of just pure baking powder or baking soda, whatever. It was just a big clump of it. It was not good. And we started kind of hinting at maybe, you know, you can still put it all in a bowl. Maybe we need to come down there when you're making it and mix it for you because this is not working out. Uh, but it was a process. And even that was a process of her understanding that, okay, I can't mix it anymore myself, so I need some help. Um, I'm sure she didn't like to hear that. But the best, most joyful memories that I have growing up um, really were around, you know, people in the kitchen um, or even working. We go out and plant a garden. Um, we feed cows. And we're doing stuff that's not just super fun, but it's fun because of who you're with and who you're around, the relationships that you have. So you can take some of the worst 
um, environmental situations you ever had. And sometimes those are your best memories just because you got through suffering together with somebody. And we don't always view suffering as a pleasant thing, and it's really not. But there is an end goal. There's a process. We have to understand that process. So um, Romans 5, 1 through 5, finally made it. Um, The whole book of Romans, obviously written to the church in Rome. We spent a lot of time in 12. Um, It's just talking about, you know, ways, especially that we should live individually as a church, um, as a society under governmental authority, um, full of good information um, on how to live the way Christ wants us to live. But verse 1 is where I'll start. I really want to focus on 3 through 5. But verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All right, here's where I really want to dive into this, verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'm going to read uh, verse 3 again, probably through 5. Not only that we rejoice, or not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. How many times do we actually stop and rejoice in our sufferings? If the sentence ended there, there wouldn't be much to rejoice about, would there? Um, I know my sufferings, my mistakes that I made, there's a lot of shame that comes with that. And we see that shame part go away at the end, but it's not like suffering produces shame. It does in a way, but there's a process. Other things happen because of the suffering. So suffering produces endurance when we're pushed through sufferings. And this isn't just talking about cutting your finger or making a dressing. Um, This is talking about spiritual suffering, you know, doubting who God is, doubting that there is a God, Um, going through times in your life where the suffering is so intense that you can't see God in it at all. And the word, the Greek word um, that was used in this, I don't know how to say it, um, but it's actually talking about a pressure. The suffering is a pressure. Um, I don't know if you were here probably a year or so ago when Mark was talking about this, but he was talking about the olive presses and how that's what they relate it to, is being pressed like an olive. Olives aren't easy to get oil out of, evidently. I've never done it myself. But they have these huge presses, and they press down on them, and that squeezes the oil out. And not much oil comes out of it all. It takes several olives to actually get olive oil. And that's why, you know, the, the uh, extra virgin oil is so much more. Those are the first pressings. And as you get down to the, to the latter pressings, you know, you're getting the... I don't know what quality quality goes down or something. I'm not an oil expert. But the the, uh, the pressure that they have to put on those olives is so intense that it squeezes all the oil out of them. And that's what it's saying here. And that suffering, that same word is used as you would be talking about an olive press. So this is a, and a suffering that's so extreme that you feel like everything is being ta- squeezed out of you. You feel the pressure of the world on you. And I think probably everyone in this room can relate to that, going through something that feels like you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive this. You're being squeezed too hard. This is too intense. Um, there's no way I can survive this. And we've heard the saying over and over again that God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not a verse in the Bible. Um, it's not. And I've said that numerous times. God will get, never give me more than I can handle. Um, I want to tell you today with confidence that he will give you more than you can handle, but he will not give you more than he can handle. And that's what we're getting at. And when we say that, we kind of apply that, that if we're following him, if we're clinging to him, then he will, he will not give us more than we can handle. 
But the other part of that is we can only handle it because of him. That's it. We cannot do it on our own. So God will give you more than you by yourself can handle, but he won't ever give you more than he can. And that's what he wants us to do is give those things up to him. So, yeah, everybody think of a moment um, where you were going through something so intense that you feel like you weren't going to make it through. That's the kind of suffering it's talking about here. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. So when we go through those things, and it's a cycle, it's going to happen more than once in your life. You're going to suffer more than one time if you're a living person. If you're a living, breathing human being, you're going to suffer more than one time. And as you get exposed to suffering, that's going to create endurance. Um, just like Meredith and I last summer, we ran a half, half marathon. It was the best and worst decision in my entire life. Um, but we practiced, we ran. And I'm not a natural-born runner. I know that's probably surprising to you guys. <laughs> but I did not enjoy it at all. I really only did it because of her. Her sister said she'd do it with her. And then they were moving, so she got busy and she couldn't do it. So I'm like, sign me up. I'll do it with you. So last summer, if you paid any attention we looked like we were about to die running all over this town. And we, we had to practice for that. But the more we practiced, the easier it got because, yeah, it was suffering. Even the day of the race, running 13 point whatever miles, um, there was some suffering involved, I promise. And after it was over, there was even more suffering. And like Mike and Lisa, I do not get how they can just do that to themselves over and over and over again. I don't know if I'll ever run another half marathon again, honestly. It was a lot of, when I walked back to the car, I sit down and my legs started cramping up then, like 30 minutes after the race. And then I felt like I wasn't going to make it after it was already over. Um, but we train for those things. We go through that and we, we learn endurance by putting ourselves through suffering. If you're an athlete, um, weightlifting is not always the most pleasant thing to do. Running drills is not the most pleasant thing to do. And you're going to be sore and you're going to hurt. And you may have some injuries because you push yourself too much. But because of the suffering you put yourself through, you learn endurance. You get better. You increase. You become you know, a better physical person than you were before. It takes suffering to produce endurance. And endurance produces character. Once we learn to endure things, that it's going to be okay. Yeah, it felt like we're going to die, but we didn't. We made it. We made it through that. Um, if you are a CrossFit person in this room, you understand that. We say that to each other all the time. Didn't die. Didn't die today. Felt like we would. It didn't happen. Not today. So endurance produces character. Our character increases because of what we endure. And as we start enduring things, we start relating to people more in what they're enduring. We start recognizing their sufferings. We start seeing their endurance. Our character is built because of the endurance that, we are, that is produced by our suffering. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Tyler and I talked about hope. Tyler shared a story with you, Cochran. And when he came back a few weeks ago or a few months ago, whenever it was, uh, we really drilled on this hope thing. That's what we talked about, um, of our hope not being of things in this world. And our, It's not about money. It's not about material things. But our true hope that's not going to go away is our hope in Christ, um, that he really has a place for us, that there really is a place where there's no suffering. There's an end um, to this world and a beginning to our, etern- our eternity with him in a place that's paradise that he's making for us. And that hope... Um, does not put us to shame. So if we skip this process, it kind of ends with that shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If we skip from suffering straight to, you know, it does not give us shame, that's a lie, right? There's a process here. Our suffering does bring us shame. It really, in those moments of suffering, we're ashamed. We don't want to open up to anybody. We want to keep it to ourselves. 
We, no one can relate to what we're going through. No one's ever experienced what I've experienced, right? We lie to ourselves. We let Satan get in our heads and think that no one can understand what we're going through. So we don't open up. We don't confide in, in other Christians. We don't give it to God because we feel like if God was really who he says he was, he wouldn't have done this to me to begin with. And we really get wrapped up in that suffering thing. But just like the float building, the process of it, just like the dressing, uh, just like the cut that's healing right now, it's a process. It's not going to be in a moment. And that's how we want. I said last week, we want God to be like a gypsy, or not a gypsy. We don't want God to be a genie, similar word, very different meaning. Um, <laughs> Jesus kind of was a gypsyist person, though. He traveled around some. Uh, yeah, now I'm ashamed. No, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to suffer up here for the rest of this time and fumble through my words. Uh, we want God to be that genie that we can just come to at any time and say, here's my wish. Now, grant it to me right now. Take this suffering away. Give me a million dollars. You know, whatever, whatever silly thing we come up with at the time, um, he has a plan. And this process is a huge part of his plan. If we haven't suffered, if we haven't seen how the world is without him, then how are we ever going to know how great it is with him? And that's, that's the whole goal, understanding that this world and what it has to offer is not what our goal should be. It's not what our hope is in. Um, but it brings us suffering. This world brings us suffering. And he is the only one through this process that takes the shame away from the suffering, from the mistakes, or what the world has put on you. So one more time, our suffering, um, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, we blame God a lot. I said that earlier for the state that we're in. We lose sight for the redemptive, of the redemptive work that he's doing in us. The redemptive work is a process. If you're suffering today, um, realize that God can use it. Realize that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Um, and our hope takes the shame away from that. Suffering reminds us of where we are now, and it gives us hope of where we will be one day with God. Um, the quote that I said early, just I happened to scroll across something good on Facebook. Um, there's a lot of good stuff this week. I, I enjoyed seeing all the pictures from the homecoming festivities and the county fair. And um, But don't let the social media world wrap you in. Um, because a lot of times what we do with social media is, and I'm, you know, guilty of it myself, we post the things that we want people to see, right? Our social life we want people to not see our sufferings. Uh, and some people will. They'll post their sufferings on Facebook. And that's, you know, recognize that for what it is. Sometimes people are really reaching out or crying out for someone to recognize what they're going through. Um, that's important, too. But if you get caught up in thinking that everyone has it together because of what they post online, um, it can really put you in a state where you think that no one can relate to you. No one can relate to your suffering because obviously they didn't post anything like that on Facebook, so it's not real, right? And you kids, through your Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, um, you know what I'm talking about. People use that. Um, evil gets in everything, no matter how good our intentions are behind it. Um, we're still in this world, and suffering will come from our best intentions. Um, but what if God wants to do what you're asking through a process instead of a, a moment, because I think he does. I don't think that if he answered our prayers instantaneously, 
um, yeah, we'd probably appreciate it in the instant, but it wouldn't mean near as much to us because until we go through the process, it's kind of like that boxed stuffing. It's easy. McDonald's is easy. Sonic is easy. But if I grew up my whole childhood, um, I may have some memories if we just ate out, you know, or went and picked up McDonald's every time. But it wouldn't be the same. I would not have those memories of my grandma really laboring in the kitchen um, for hours on end to prepare this meal for us and the suffering that came with that and the hours and the labor that came with that. And she enjoyed it. She enjoyed the suffering of being in the kitchen all day. I think there wasn't much suffering for her. It would be for me. Um, and probably the ones that had to eat what I had to cook. But the process of it really brings out um, what God wants, the goal that God has for our lives. So don't view suffering as the absence of God being with you because it's the start of the process of realizing how much bigger his plans are for you than what this world has. So Doug's going to come up now, and he's going to lead us in a song. I just want to give you guys the time. I know we don't do it all the time, and we probably should do it more, just giving you guys time to reflect on, uh, on what God's Word's saying. If you're not um, getting things out of what you're reading, spend some time praying to God about that. Spend some, God, some time asking God to reveal to you what He really wants you to see in His Word, because there's a lot there. And until we open our eyes to God being bigger than us, um, we really can't see it. So I'm going to turn it over to Doug, and I'll just stand right here. If anyone has, if you're suffering right now, I promise you're not alone. Uh, we all have our own stuff. We all have our own issues. If anyone ever stands in front of you and claims to have it figured out, run fast, because they don't. And uh, I'll never tell you I will, and I appreciate that Mark will never tell you that he, he has it figured out either. And I know there are people out there that claim they do, but unless they're pointing you to Jesus, it's all a lie. So don't get caught up in this world. Don't get caught up in the, in the things that it has to offer, even though they're fun in the moment. The process, the suffering, and the endurance, and the character, and the hope, um, that's the only thing that's going to take the shame that causes us to run from God away. Run to Him, not away from Him.